everybody. Now that you are full and satisfied following a little Thanksgiving break last so, week. What? Are you okay? I, I ate way too much pie. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm full of pie and regret. <laughs> Aren't we all? Screw you, Dignity. Uh, either way, thank you everyone for listening to the After Hours Podcast. <laughs> We're off to a ridiculously hot start. It is presented by the People's United Bank. I'm Emerson Lazio, your Sealy Godwin. What yeah. do we have today? I'm already screwing this up. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, week 12 took about a year to finish up. Started on Thanksgiving and it really? ended <laughs> on Wednesday. Uh, but yeah, the Patriots, they did get an upset at home against the Cardinals. Uh, Nick Folk banging that 50-yarder to seal the deal. Uh, Special so teams player of the week. Yes. Yeah. Time of his career. But now we're on to the Chargers. And we actually know a guy who knows a thing or two about not just the Chargers, but also the Patriots. He was a 2009 fourth round draft pick for New England. And he logged some time with the Cardinals before finishing up his career with the Chargers. It's Rich Ornberg doing TV and radio out there in sunny San Diego. But right now you've been having like wind issues. Explain to us what's going on with you right now, going out doing the podcast from your car. Yeah, so I guess one of the things you get used to when you move to the southwestern United States that doesn't happen in the northeast, while we get tons of sun, we also get what's called the Santa Ana winds, which at any point can knock power down from different areas of the, the, uh, the, the whereabouts. And we're experiencing some of that, but listen, I wouldn't miss this. I wouldn't miss this for you, Sealy, for you, Emerson, and certainly for as important a week to me personally as the Chargers taking on the Patriots. So let's roll. Yeah. Yeah, Rich, uh, thank you so much for overcoming the adversity of the the Santa Ana winds. I had no idea what the hell that is. (laughs) I I still don't. I guess guess I'll look it up later. But um, (laughs) let's talk a little bit about this game that's coming up because you do know these two teams. You know the Santa Ana winds. the Patriots this season, how would you describe the Patriots team that you were watching play football in 2020? I would describe them as a team that has a great defense, uh, not just a good one, especially in these days, uh, seeing video game numbers being put up week by week offensively by virtually every offense in the NFL. Uh, it's a league that is really punitive to defensive players uh, so what we're seeing is just um, we're just seeing scoring at a rate we've never seen before. And so so having said that, the fact that they're able to be in as many games as they have been is a credit to that, that defensive group they have together. I understand there's some issues, but um, every team has some issues. But moving on to the offense, that's where things look the most disjointed to me. Uh, so I would say it's a team – that is playing the least amount of complementary football that we've seen out of New England in years. Uh, Typically, all three phases, special teams, defense, and offense, really seem to work in some sort of harmony uh, where, you know, you're able to capitalize off of big plays from your special teams or your offense is able to capitalize off of a, a turnover generated by your defense, and we just haven't seen that. And there are a couple of missing pieces. The most obvious is Tom Brady. Uh, and, and I think it's led to a lack of rhythm. Yeah. You mentioned Tom Brady there, his replacement right now, filling in those, trying to fill in those really big shoes is Cam Newton, uh, his first year with new England. He's five and five as a starter. 
Um, I mean, if you look at some of his stats, it looks really good. And on the other end, it doesn't look so good. You have, you know, almost 2,000 passing yards, second on the team in rushing. He's got nine rushings, touchdowns, and he tossed another four, but nine interceptions, sacked 18 times. He's got an abdominal injury now. He, he finally found his way to the Patriots injury report this week. So is he still a threat to the Chargers, to you as, as a person when you're watching this guy play? Yeah, well, Cam Newton, you know, just because there's a, you, you have an injured tiger, and that actually makes sense from where he came out of college, uh, it's still a tiger, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm He'll not sticking my hand in the cage, off. are you? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, he's still a threat. Yeah, you know, so this guy, any given day, can get it done with his legs. Obviously, he can get it done with his arms, especially when the run game's going. But I think what teams are doing is they are testing Cam. They're packing the line of scrimmage, and they're saying, hey, if you guys are going to win this game, you're going to do it uh, by throwing over our heads if you can. So we're going to give away some of the deep part of the field. We're going to give away some of the sideline throws. Can Cam make those throws? And if he can't, we're going we're gonna to try to put the hurt on you. Now, again, a good defense can keep you in games. And I think that's what we've seen overall. And I thought to start the season offensively, they looked more dynamic. But when he went on the injury report with the COVID-19 issues and then came back, we've only seen some of the early success sporadically. It, it just hasn't looked quite as consistent as it did early this year. Yo, yeah. the, the charge. Yeah. And like the chargers on, on the flip side, you look at their record, like three and eight, why do they feel like they're so much better than their record? Because of Justin Herbert, you know, it's almost the opposite problem. The Patriots have, they, they still have kind of a sniff at the playoffs here. If all things go well, the chargers have zero shot and it's, it's, confounding because of how well Justin Herbert their quarterback is playing when when you are filling up everybody's timeline with these unbelievable highlight throws and these athletic plays as a rookie quarterback I mean shoot he may win offensive rookie of the year and he's good he may play on a three-win team I mean it's very possible they lose all of these last few games they play so it it is confounding and that's the reason why and I agree with you I, I look at it kind of halfway sideways also like what are we really watching here you wish they could do more with a talent that special at the most important position on the field you know so why are they so like what what's the problem then there are a lot of people who like to point out like anthony defense. lynn it's got to be the defense man you're giving up 27 points or more in eight straight games yeah so the, the, defense, the defense coaching like what, what is it rich the, the defense has let them down at times. There's no question about it. But I think it's, it's, it's really more about the coaching at the end of games. I, I, when you have a chance to win as many games as the Chargers have had and you have as many losses as they have, what it boils down to is how well are you coaching those end-of-game situations, you know, those, those last-second or last-minute drives for the game it really has looked completely dis- discombobulated at times. And Anthony Lynn, who I think is a tremendous man, like he is a yes. good person. He does a lot in the community. He's a great leader. All of these players to a person will tell you 
how good of a leader he is. But I just think he's a little in over his head as far as being a head coach with a team in as many close battles down the stretch from a clock uh, management standpoint, from a timeout usage standpoint. He's got so many errors in those in that phase of the game. And as a result, they've lost some close ones. This this record could be the inverse of what it is if it weren't for bungling away certain opportunities. Yeah, uh, six of those eight losses were lost by a touchdown or less. So you've been, the, the Chargers have been in these games, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, Austin Ackler, he made his return against Buffalo after missing seven weeks with a bad hamstring injury. Uh, we talk a lot about Justin, but Austin is another stud. I mean, the expectations for him going against the Pats defense that is ranked 20th against stopping the rush. Yeah, Austin, uh, he's a special player. Unfortunately, has been injured a bunch. Uh, and that hamstring injury was a devastating one. He, he described it as the most painful in injury he's ever sustained in his career. Um, you know, I, I look, I pulled my hamstring about as bad as I thought I could. But what he was describing sounded like it was on the brink of being a season-ending injury. Uh, fortunately, it was just soft tissue damage, and he's back on the field and looking uh, pretty much like, like he should, you know, at this late part of the season. Nobody's 100%. He'll actually look somewhat fresh. Um, yeah, it's going to be a commitment, I think, to the run. There's no doubt. I think that it, there has to be a commitment to the run to help out this rookie quarterback. So I imagine what we'll see is at very least early in the game, an establishment of Austin Eckler uh, and try to get this defense running, get, get him to the sideline, uh, get these guys tired in the early quarters and hopefully it pays off dividends at the end of the game. Yeah. And the Patriots that like low scoring offense. And then last week Eckler's return. And even with Justin Herbert only managing 17 points, this game threw us, you know, our sports betting goggles here is, is a pick them. Uh, so I need you to make a case here uh, for both sides. The Patriots win. If the Patriots win, if they're able to get to Herbert. So the defense has to make sure they rattle his cage. And this is true with any rookie quarterback who's having a special season. The more you can get right up in their grill, get them uncomfortable. Like, like Sammy Darnold said when the Pats played the Jets, I'm seeing ghosts out here. That's the sort of effort you want to see out of the pass <laughs> rush from that. New England. Love that reference. Yeah. You got to confuse them with scheme. You got to get there with four or three rushers at a time so you can play some coverage behind – your defensive front and uh, keep them guessing because if this guy's off balance, he'll, he'll throw one to you. So that would be a big key for the pack. So then how do the chargers win this thing? The chargers, it's going to be about staying on time. And what that means is making sure that you don't get yourself in those third and long situations. Often. Uh, we just talked about Justin Herbert, how, how he's a key for the Patriots success. He's also a key for the Chargers success. Don't get him in third and eight situations or third and 12 situations. Try to stay on track with that run game we were talking about earlier. Get yourself second and manageable. So the, the playbook is wide open on a second and five or a second and seven. The, you know, get yourself into third and three and third and two situations as opposed to those longer yardage situations and uh, sustain drives, play a little bit of keep away, and you'll find a way to get a win. So with that being said, 
How do you feel about this this game? Who comes away with the dub? I like the Patriots here, uh, and, it, and it really comes down to two things. Uh, even though Cam Newton has had an up-and-down year, they have more experience at the most important position on the field. And then, you know, outside of the quarterback, who's the second most important? You could argue left tackle. You could say corner. You could say receiver. I'm saying head coach because when you have a situationally found, uh, situational foundation in your coaching staff like the Patriots do, if this is a close one, you give the edge to Belichick over Anthony Lynn. So I like the Pats. Yeah, that's got to be the biggest discrepancy there for, for coaching, though. You have greatest of all time, and a guy that you said so yourself is just really struggling to, to get things done and making really questionable calls when they're in a game that's winnable. So oh my God, that's yeah, an argument to be made there. Um, so I, I, need to, I need to know here. I'm told, Rich, you're like this prankster, like kind of a, a funny guy here. You've done some stand-up in the past. Did you ever pull like a fast one on, on Bill or – or Brady or any of your teammates, especially here in New England? Well, so the funny thing is I hate pranks. I love jokes. I, you know, I, I like making people <laughs> laugh, but I can't stand being pranked. And you know who used to get us all the time and you just couldn't trust them when you were around them was Matt Light. So like <laughs> I was the funny guy, you know, I'm like, I, you know, I'm like, uh, uh, you know, Joe Pesci in, in good, you know, I am, you know, what am I, a clown? What do I amuse you? And then you got Matt Light, who's around the corner, you know, putting cherry bombs in the toilet bowls and stuff like that. So he was the one I was nervous about. But, uh, but yeah, I try to keep people laughing, keep things light, and uh, absolutely enjoyed my time playing there. Bill has a much better sense of humor than he wants anybody to believe. And I'm sure that's better documented now. But at the time, everybody looked at him as like, you know, this, this uh, evil emperor. And uh, I, I don't know, I always, I thought he had a great sense of humor. He was willing to laugh. He let me get on front, uh, get in front of the team and, and, you know, kind of riff and tell stories and get guys laughing. And we had a good time. Uh, you, you got to the team in 2009. Uh, what was your first impression of, of Tom Brady and your first interaction with him? He was uh professional is what I would describe him as because you know when you play in high school or college you just become buddies with everybody and uh you you're all very much so peers you know you're all sort of in the same boat or facing the same direction and just rowing for all of your your lives and when I got to New England this is a an accomplished human being uh he's a three-time Super Bowl winning quarterback uh he's a 10-year pro and he just was so professional. I just remember that it was, it was profound to me talking to him in some of my early days. And he was generous enough. He didn't have to spend time talking to a rookie before he even made the team, but he would. And I, I just remember thinking to myself like, oh, this is it. This is how you, you last a long time in the league. You treat this like a job. You treat this like, you know, your, your livelihood depends on it because it does. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really appreciated all of those interactions, especially early on, because you, he gets it and you want to get it. And so having a good example helps you get it. And I know you would be work. pressure, though. Talk about yeah, that. I'd be so nervous. I'd be so <laughs> nervous walking into that, like, locker room and seeing Tom Brady there. Like, I would wet my <laughs> pants. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you just sort of fake it until you make it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like any relationship – 
where you feel like you're sort of you're the side that's in over your head. Like yeah. I, I honestly I felt that same way with with my wife. You know, I mean, I, Me I felt like I had no, <laughs> yeah, I had no business being in a conversation with her, and so I just pretended like I completely casual, man. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> me too. You know, meanwhile, I'm my hands are sweating. You just sort of, you just sort of, when when you're paired with somebody who is better than you, you try to ri- rise to the occasion, you know. And I think everybody's experienced that in their lives at some point or another, and that is very much the feeling you had when you're around Tom. Like this is a guy who's a coach for crying out loud. Yeah. He had done it for so long in the same system. He could tell you what everybody's supposed to do at every single time. Uh, so you just try to rise to the occasion. And it's great, uh, too. Like, speaking as a fellow married man who definitely outkicked his coverage, don't you love other guys and, and gals, too, reminding you constantly how we outkicked our coverage and, like, we're in over our heads still? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it is a good reminder because, you know, <laughs> sometimes – you, sometimes you think to yourself like, oh yeah, this is an argument. I should win. And then you're like, you know <laughs> nope. what? I, nope, nope. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to keep this around. Yeah. She's, exactly. always, she's always right. And that's the end of the story. She's always by the way, so, so is Tom Brady. <laughs> like if, See? If, you're, if, if you're practicing and there's a fumbled snap, it's not like you turn around and go, yeah, he did it. You know, you're, you're, you'll, uh-huh. take, you'll take the lap to make sure the marriage stays together. Yeah. Uh-huh. So basically, we are both married to Tom Brady. That's what you're saying. That, right. that makes perfect sense. Uh, speaking of Tom Brady, um, your former teammate and fellow Big Ten alum, Rob Nikovich, he, he had a lot of recent good takes. And one of those was that Tom Brady needs a new coach down there in Tampa Bay. What do you have to say about that? Well, look, I, again, you know, staying with this relationship analogy we were just talking about, um, you know, if, if things don't work out in a relationship where there's a lot of success and it's lasted a long time, uh, whenever you move on to a new relationship, I, there's going to be changes. You know what I'm saying? Growing like, pains. Exactly. Sometimes just because you left your slippers in the same spot by the front door for 20 years doesn't mean that the next head coach is going to think that's a good idea you know so you better either move those slippers or find a way to compromise and so I think right now what's happening in Tampa Bay is is a is a meeting in the middle I think we're seeing the greatest quarterback of all time working with one of the smartest offensive minds of all time and trying to find common ground Uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Bruce Arians I think he's done a really nice job overall as an offensive coordinator or a head coach. And he has a a different style than Tom has ever experienced, certainly since he's only experienced one style in the NFL. And it's going to take a little bit to accommodate. Um, An interesting stat I heard recently was in all of Bruce Arians starting quarterbacks first seasons in his offensive system, they all threw more interceptions in those years, in that year, than they had their entire career. You know, so we're talking about Jameis Winston. Yeah. We're talking about Andrew Luck. We're talking about Carson Palmer. Uh, all of them. All of them. And so it may take a year for everything to settle down and for Tom Brady to completely uh, accept and, and find that common ground we were talking about earlier. 
I just, I just don't know if you can call out your your partner, your spouse publicly and, and yeah. everything in the house be okay. Right? Like he's Brady's not used to that stuff, no. man. And although like yeah. some have suggested that like Arian's criticism of Brady is like an act. Like, I don't know, you're outside looking in, like when you hear Arians air out all their dirty laundry in front of the media, like what's running through your head? Well, I just think, I think, uh, first of all, it, it's a, it's a big deal because it's Tom Brady to us. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, sure. Because, because now we've all put him on this pedestal and, and deservedly so because he's this <laughs> tremendous, yeah. uh, he has this I was going to say, ability. it's hard not to like all the Super yeah. Bowls and all of us <laughs> knowing and accepting he's the greatest. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you know, you're free I, of criticism, though, for sure. Right, and and I think I think that is uh, that is a part of this too. We you know we want to talk about you know geez you know Bruce Arians and Tom Brady are they going to be able to figure it out because Arians really likes this vertical game and Tom Brady you know he loves the underneath pass and you know and and we could break down you know uh, a- any part of the offensive struggles that we may have seen, but part of this is also. Uh, personality clash you know at different times I'm sure how something as simple as when they meet might be something that Tom has an issue with or potentially feels that they could be more efficient in some ways or you know the way Tom likes to break down film uh, or the way the, the how much time he wants to spend in the meeting room looking at uh, just with just with the quarterbacks as opposed to with the rest of the offense I'm making things up here but these are the little accommodations that both sides and I'm talking about Arians and Brady are making on a daily basis to find the sweet spot and like any good relationship that takes time and you can't replicate that any other way you just have to take the time and during an abbreviated pandemic offseason I just don't think they had enough time to make all of those things work. So does the marriage last another year? Because there is people talking about, you know, do you let Tom Brady go? I know he signed a two-year deal, but like, do you try to make a move with him? Or do you, do you maybe consider a coaching change here? Do you think that we will see them next year together? Still Trade trying to make the marriage Trade him back to the Patriots. Work? Trade him to the Patriots. <laughs> Let's go. What a wild story that would be. Let's try a part two to that movie. I, I'll tell you what, uh, I, if I were to handicap it, I would say the, the best odds bet is going to be on uh, both parties resuming their careers for next season in Tampa Bay. You know, I, I, I really don't see, I don't personally see a reason for this, uh, for this to, to end here and now, especially with what well, now spotty, but, success you know what I mean we we can success is there how how great yeah we've seen how great it can look when it's really great it's really great still uh so I I think they'll give it the 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 second year of his contract and I I frankly think that you know because Tom has said he'd love to play uh till he's 46 you know who knows how much longer he really wants to do this but if there's no talk of extension come you know, mid-season, a little earlier than this point next season, then I think we can start scratching our heads and saying, well, is this the end of the road or is he going to move on to a different place? Or potentially is he is he putting his foot down and asking for a new coach to step in? I That'll be an interesting story, but that will develop next year. I think, I think as for right now, both these parties are going to be very satisfied coming back and giving it another try in a year. 
So Rob Ninkovich spitting off all the hot takes. You have one on Twitter yourself saying you really feel like there's no need, absolutely no need for preseason games in the NFL. Can you explain yourself? Yeah, what I'm seeing <laughs> this season is good football. And I actually think that the lack of the preseason lends to more parity. Okay. So what, what happens, you know, like with any league we watch, the NBA, the, the Major League Baseball, and the NFL certainly, the cream rises to the top. And about this time of year, you're eliminating a lot of teams. And that's no different in the NFL certainly. But there's a lot more teams in contention for the postseason than we've really seen in recent history. And I have, I, I have a feeling it's all because you have this lack of a preseason. So a lot of these teams – had some of these ugly early losses and then they found themselves like the saints, you know, they really discovered who they were. And even without Drew Brees, they're still humming along, but those early losses, uh, you know, and not just the saints may be a bad example because they're at the top of the heap in the NFC, but, but there are a lot of teams that face that, that, uh, that same fate. And as a result of that, we have this huge bunching effect in the middle of the pack in both of these conferences for the wild card. And it's just going to make for much more entertaining and interesting football down the stretch of the season where people really care. Nobody cares about the preseason. Nobody cares about the preseason. So why not have more of these games at the end of the season matter as a result of that lack of, you know, fine tuning some of these high, high uh, rev engines in the preseason. I think it actually, makes for better football, a better, more entertaining product. I can definitely see that. I just feel, I guess, bad for some of the guys that are trying to make the roster, the, like the undrafted kids. Like the, that's, that's the only reason why, and also because you're trying to get, you know, back in the flow of things and get your muscles going back and getting the foundation set. So I, I definitely see what you're saying there, Rich. Um, I just feel for the, those, those guys that are just trying to make the damn roster those are the those are the stories we love on hard knocks <laughs> yeah yeah well, well and, and i think we can still have that development take place yeah. i just think we have to look at it from a different standpoint you okay. know just because you're you're not going to have preseason games necessarily where you know instead of having fans pay for you know eight regular season games or soon nine you're making them pay for 10 or 11 yeah it's it's or because of the preseason packages that they have to purchase alongside of the uh, alongside of the regular season games. I think that in fairness, those tickets shouldn't cost the same amount. You know, it's not, it's not as good of a product. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of my reason for it, you know, keeping this great entertainment sports uh, fair for the people who float it. And then the other part of it is you'll still have scrimmages and you could still have inter squad scrimmages and you can still tape those scrimmages and send that film across the NFL. They have the bandwidth. They have the ability to do it. We don't have the bandwidth here in San Diego because of the Santa Ana wins right now, but you know what I'm no. saying. <laughs> you're still, you're overcoming it. You're, you're still yeah. here. We're still doing it. We're all right. You know, but this is what I'm talking You know, the future is now you can share this film. These guys can still have a shot yeah. to make other rosters. We just need, don't need to expose the star players to potential injury. We don't need to expose the fans to exorbitant ticket prices for preseason packages they really don't care about. And we can move on with better quality mid-season and late-season football with more competition for the wild card rounds as we've seen this year. Hey, I, 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 I like your take, man. Uh, but real quick, before we let you go, 
Uh, gentlemen, do you like trivia? The answer is yes. Um, nope. Here's the question I, I will ask you. You're gonna you're gonna try to answer this. Maybe, maybe let's see. All right. So the Patriots are 25 and five, 25 and five against rookie QBs during the Belichick era. Can you name the five they have lost to? Wow. Hell no. Wow. Absolutely Just not. Try. Just try. Work it out. Work it out. Rookie quarterbacks that the oh, Patrick Mahomes? No. No, sir. No, sir. That is incorrect. That's right, because he only played like one game his rookie his year. His rookie season, yep. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to count. think of explosive rookie years. How about how about RG3? Did they play when he was a rookie? No. Nope. No. And this is the Brady-Belichick okay. era? Uh, two of them are currently still starting QBs. Wow. Okay, I'm going to say Philip Rivers. Allen? Oh, Wait, wait, I heard two different names. Say it again. I'm going to say Josh Allen. No. Wow. Mm. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, uh, how about Mark Sanchez? Ooh. Yes, right. that is correct. That was one of them, sir. That okay. was in 2009. Oh, wow. That was your rookie uh, year. Joe Flacco. Good about myself. There, was one, there was one before him, too, in 2004. In 2004, oh my goodness, oh my good, Chad Pennington. <laughs> oh, Jesus, no, this is brutal. This is, oh. this is terrible radio. Just give us the answer. He, he's on. Yeah, he's on I, his, okay, Big Ben. Yeah, oh, Big that's a good ben. one. Yes, of Big course. Big Ben. All right, Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. That makes sense as well. He's pretty talented, as it turns out. Now, two of the two of the others would probably make you go like, "Really, Colt McCoy and Geno Smith?" Oh Jesus, <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> this trivia question is hilarious. Like when you look at it, it really is. But yeah, yeah. That, so Big Ben, was... Mark Sanchez, Colt McCoy, Russell Wilson, Geno Smith are the five rookie QBs during the Belichick era that took it to Bill. That that that's that really was... weird. Okay. <laughs> Sharp, sharp turn and careened off a cliff there at the end of that week. <laughs> I feel dirty after hearing that. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, you know, uh, uh. Us too. Oh my gosh, Rich, we appreciate you taking the time today in your car, battling the winds <laughs> just to be yeah. here. Yeah, I do it. I do it all over again. Sealy Emerson, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Oh, looking forward to this game too, man. I uh, appreciate all the insight, your your expert analysis on everything. Uh, enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. All righty, let's send this baby home. Wrap this thing up so we can get to the weekend. That sounds good to me, ma'am. Uh, that was a good show. I enjoyed that. The only news that I'm uh, interested in right now is how about the NBA, NBA adjusting its marijuana testing? Yeah, that just uh, you that won't just get popped anymore for uh, smoking the marijuana. No, good for you, man. Guys, go out, do your thing, <laughs> crush some pizza rolls, and, and call tonight. You know, <laughs> make a lot of money. Do your thing, man. So, uh, yeah, just don't do it when you play. <laughs> No, man. Did you have a good Thanksgiving, though? Everything was good for you. Um, I didn't cook a single thing, so I, I just Same. bought pie because <laughs> pie is – you just pick it up from the store and, you you know, it's really nice to pop it in the microwave for a little bit, nuke it, and then add some ice cream to it. It's like mm. – Oh, wow. 
Kiss. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, my wife's like obsessed with apple pie now. We got an apple pie for Thanksgiving, and now there's another apple pie in the house. I did have so. apple. I did have apple. I'm missing my mom's uh, chocolate uh, pecan pie. Mm. Incredible. Mm. I'm, I miss that terribly, but I, I, I'm just glad that everybody's staying safe. I know coronavirus right now is surging all through throughout the entire nation, the world, honestly. And I mean, it's just. I know that people are struggling right now because they miss people, but we're going to make it, people. We're going to make we got it. it. We got it, man. We got it. And we're going to make it to next week, next episode. You have anything to tease for next week? Um, No, I do not. Good. <laughs> Let's go, baby. I love it. <laughs> Give my it to bad me. at my job, I think. <laughs> yeah, come on. You're our booking agent, too. You build our rundown yeah. every week. You book our guests. And then, if you guys uh, yeah, have any... Cool. Any guests that you would love to see on this podcast, you know oh, where to shit, find me. Yes. Let me know. I'll, I'll try my best to get them on. I don't have much money to spare, but I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it, man. Uh, good stuff. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it. You and I have to go actually get ready for this and after hours, the television program now. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we're on the air tonight, and then you're on throughout the weekend. So that'll Yay! do it for us. That'll do it for us. But We'll see you guys next week. This is After Hours Podcast presented by People's United Bank.